Welcome back to the Naked Security Podcast. My name is Kimberly Trung. You've probably forgotten who I am because I keep disappearing, but I'm back again for the foreseeable future. Yay. Yay. Um, to my virtual right, I have... I thought you were going to burst into that Kiss song then about being back in the New York groove, but you did not. Kim only goes to the desert. I only go to the desert. I have no New York groove to pull from. Uh to my virtual right, I have Doug Ahmed. Thank you for having me. I am delighted to be here. And then to my virtual left, I have Paul Ducklin. Ask him. Ask him, Kimberly. You know you want to. I tried to do it last week, but he went and edited it out because it was me asking. I dare you. I thought I left it in there. It was just a kind of a passing comment. No, there's no PlayStation 5. Oh, I'm so sorry, Doug. Mm. But Each I have week, I kind think. of given up. So oh, Yeah, understandable. Understandable. Some goals you just can't achieve, right? That sounded like the most sincere thing I've ever. Heard. <laughs> I do. I, my heart does go out to him. Uh, this is not. This is full sincerity. Um, friends, you know that we have these quick recommendations that we offer before we get into the cybersecurity portion of our episode. And this week, I'm going to quickly recommend a culinary recommendation. Uh, I was obviously out of office last week. I wasn't on the podcast because I was enjoying my time oh that was a bit harsh you were enjoying yourself because you weren't on the podcast yes this is true (laughs) i was enjoying myself because i was off work uh not because of the podcast but i was also enjoying korean food now if you're intimidated by korean food i'm going to tell you exactly what to get if you are into meat you're going to get beef bulgogi if you are not into meat, you can get the new- this noodle dish called japchae. If your town has Korean barbecue, highly, highly recommend doing that. That's a very fun group experience if you are in a part of the world where you can go out and dine out and see people again and you're fully vaccinated and everyone's safe. Um, I highly recommend Korean food. You really can't go wrong. There's also Korean dumplings, and you can get any version of that. You can get vegetarian. You can get uh, pork, chicken, whatever your dream is. There's so much to there's so much to enjoy. So my recommendation this week: and Korean food, metal chopsticks. Metal chopsticks. Yes, Doug. That's right. So very recyclable. Yes, I love them. It, they're fantastic. They're thinner, which some people say makes them harder if you're not that used it, to chopsticks. Yeah. But I quite like them because they're extremely rigid because they're made of steel. They're lovely. And if you're not used to chopsticks, look, ask for a fork. No shame in that. I've definitely been that person where I'm like, I can't do this today. <laughs> I, and I do have experience with chopsticks. But some days you just can't do it. So highly, highly recommend trying Korean food. Uh, Doug, what do you have for a recommendation for our listeners this week? Well, Kib, you know me. I've been on a stretch of uh, true crime documentaries <laughs> on Netflix lately. You have so, been. a show like Forensic Files, where you know, you know, in the end that they're going to catch the guy, right? Mm. And then there's a show like America's Most Wanted, where they haven't caught the guy yet. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a show on Netflix called World's Most Wanted. Okay. So picture America's Most Wanted, but like the worst people in the world. <gasps> there's five episodes in the first season. And they detail, these people are just scum of, like, really bad people. Wow. But the best part, or perhaps the worst part, is at the end of some episodes, they catch them. They catch them. 
And at the end of other episodes, they don't. Oh, so you're on your toes. Oh. You never know if they're going to catch him. So it's called World's Most Wanted. And it is, it's hard to watch because, these, again, these people are terrible. Well, now I know what I'm doing this weekend. Thank you, Doug. Mm-hmm. And also, mm-hmm. <laughs> damn you. Uh- <laughs> get yourself some beef bagogi and watch <laughs> right. World's Most Wanted. Yeah, get, you can get Korean takeout for sure. Great. Um, Duck, what do you have for a recommendation this week? Well, I'm going to stray from my usual comfortable, nobody could possibly find fault with it music recommendation. And I'm going to recommend a product because, you know, I think I... I'm a little bit of an influencer, if the truth be told. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, fashion for years, obviously. (laughs) Well... Now I now I've now I've been working on my coiffure. Of course, I'm a hair care expert. Mm. My wife bought this amazing hairbrush, and mm-hmm. for herself, obviously. Okay. And I kind of for for a few months, I've secretly been borrowing it when I thought she wouldn't notice. But I did. Obviously, she did bust me because last week she came back and she said, "Hey, I got you a present," and pulled out the slightly larger version of the most amazing hairbrush in the world, okay. which is called a Tangle Teaser. <laughs> now, it's a British product made in Britain, so it's festooned with union flags. And so I, I hope I'm not just being petrified. It's a brilliant <laughs> hairbrush. But unfortunately, because the word tease is one of those stupidly spelled words, and they presumably want to appeal to an international audience, they had to misspell it in the website. So it's Tangle Teaser, T E E Z E R. So you have to know to misspell it misspell to find it online. <laughs> they are worth a look. Okay, that's and rec- they do the large size model in Sophos Blue. Well, Perfect. That's I'll our next that. giveaway, I suppose. <laughs> like Sophos branded uh, a Tangle teasers. Uh, now, mm. if you guys yeah. haven't seen Duck's hair, FYI, and you haven't seen one of his Naked Security Lives, breathtaking. Highly recommend that because then you'll know exactly why Duck needs a good hairbrush. Yeah. Alrighty. Before we get into the headlines, let me just quickly tease the oh no of the week, which you guys know happens towards the end of our episode. And all I'm going to say is that this oh no, compassion goes a long way, folks. So stay tuned at the end of this episode for the oh no of the week. Doug, what's happening in the news? Well, for the third time in a row, we're going to talk about an Apple security oopsie-daisy. We're going to talk about eight suspects who've been busted in a raid on home delivery scams. And we're going to talk about another scam, a WhatsApp scam. But first, fun fact. In the early 80s, Cabbage Patch Kids were the most popular dolls in all of toydom. Mm. But they almost didn't exist. After Mm. being turned down by almost every major U.S. doll maker... License holder Roger Schlafer somehow managed to convince Coleco, makers of 1982's popular ColecoVision game console, to try its hand at dolls. Wow. The dolls were so popular during the 1983 holiday season that they led to retail-based combat known as the Cabbage Patch Riots. <gasps> right. Ooh. I remember my dad bringing one home from France because that was the only place he could find he could one. Fight, he had to fly to France. His name was Pierre, and it was kind of it was almost a knockoff Cabbage Patch doll because they weren't made by Coleco. But I was just happy to have one, and I was happy my dad was safe because people were getting punched <laughs> yeah. and hit with baseball bats, and it was the 
first real Black Friday stampede wow. of, uh, in retail history was the Cabbage Patch Riots. I, I spent a little too much time researching this fun fact, so anyone has questions about doll-based riots, I'm your guy. <laughs> what about Tickle Me Elmo? Tell me about that, tickle, tickle Me Elmo. That was uh, also cited in um, other types was. of, yeah. I so. bet it was. I remember that. Oh, yeah. boy. So, speaking of riots, uh, Apple again is in the news. According to security researchers at Mac Management Software Company and friend of Sophos Jamf, this bug provides a sneaky way for a simple Apple script utility with no special permissions at all to leech off the permissions of an already installed app. And it's been around for a while, has it not, Paul? It has, because some malware authors figured it out. Now, it's not a way of introducing malware, so it's not remote code execution. You, you have to get malware into the computer first, but it is a way in which you can use just some humble Apple script that would normally produce a security warning if you tried to do something that it didn't have permissions for, like, say, access the camera, listen to the microphone, or take a screenshot or do a screen recording. You're supposed to get a little pop-up saying, this app isn't authorized to do that. It can't do it unless you go into security and permissions and manually authorize it by yourself. So no unpleasant surprises, that's a theory. And these crooks figured out a way that they could... Basically, they would bury their script inside an existing application already on your Mac that did have, say, screen recording permissions. And an obvious example is something like Zoom, because you can say, I want to make a, a recording of, of what's happening. And there are loads of other software packages that do it. And basically, it could be like almost like a cuckoo's egg the term Jamf used was donor app. So they would carefully, surreptitiously inject their script in a special way in the midst of another app. And then the script could be triggered as though it were running inside that app. It would essentially inherit the permissions of that app to do something like screen recording. And because it's Apple script, which basically lets you write in script what you would do with the mouse at the screen. So you can bring windows to the front, move windows off screen. You could do anything that you could sit there and type. Uh, they can run this donor app with the cuckoo's egg in it in the background. So you don't even know it's running. And that is the long-winded explanation of a surprisingly simple and effective bug that is known as CVE 2021-30713. I read that, um, it, so Apple's in this lawsuit with Epic Software, the makers of uh, Fortnite. And I, uh, Apple's head of software, Craig Federighi, said during the trial that he's not happy with uh, the amount of malware on Mac OS. He didn't actually say there's more than there used to be. It just said, I'm not happy about it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> not to sidetrack from the story too much, but what would you say just in general to someone that's that says oh Macs are safe there's no you don't have to worry about malware on Macs what would you what would your retort be Paul my retort would be you probably need to get out more <laughs> and I think a lot of people have long memories even if they're too young to have seen these things fresh they will have heard of those infamous PCV Mac ads that were they were very amusing they were wittily done they were fun they were fresh you know they had a sort of stodgy middle-aged besuited middle management guy who was the pc and they had some young bearded 
hip, this is about the beginning of the hipster era bloke who was in a band and whatnot had a Mac and they get chatting and they become friends and then you know the PC guy would fall over or trip or or have to fall behind or you know have to say oh hang on I've got to do my updates and of course the Mac guy never had any words they didn't actually say that Macs couldn't get viruses but those ads seriously invited people to infer that Macs were safe by design rather than perhaps by accident. Mm. But if you still believe that, then you need to ask yourself, why did Apple suddenly introduce a rudimentary antivirus called X-Protect into macOS itself Mm. if there really was no problem? I don't think Apple's saying there aren't viruses, though they, they may have been implicitly in denial for many years. And if you're in denial and you have a Mac, then, you know, you need to catch up with Apple themselves. They are interested in security. They do take it seriously. They've been quite open about all the many rather scary bugs that were fixed in there. The short version of what I'd say to Macs don't get viruses is, oh, really? And um, taking viruses out of the equation now, this latest round of updates, there were several bugs that were shared between iOS and Mac OS. Yes, that's right. I think there were 38 distinct significant bugs on the list for iOS patches, and there were 50-something for Mac OS. Because the operating systems share the same core, obviously some of those bugs are going to be shared between them. There'll be things that Mac OS software has that, that iOS doesn't, so that the bugs won't get duplicated. But the ones that did, we've 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 broken them out in the nakedsecurity.sofos.com article. And I think the 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 most worrying ones probably are the remote code execution bugs, potential remote code execution bugs in the way the operating system components handle audio files, image files, and believe it or not, 3D modeling files. So somebody could send you a 3D modeling file that's booby-trapped. When you click on it, it'll open up with a whatever 3D modeling uh, software you've got installed, and that could cause a crash. And the problem, particularly with image-based remote code execution bugs, is that the most likely way that an image gets downloaded, processed, and displayed on your Mac is in your browser. In other words, you only have to click the link. You don't then have to go, hey, would you like to download this image? Would you like to save it on your hard disk? Would you now like to open it? Which app would you like to open it with? Are you sure? There's none of that. You go to a web page, name me a web page that doesn't have images these days. The images come back. The browser automatically processes those files so it can display them. Those could lead to what are called drive-by installs, where you just visiting a website is enough to trigger the bug exploitably. Fortunately, these were discovered and patched before anyone else we, we that we know of knew about them. Um, and even if they did know about them, there's no evidence that anybody figured out how to actually do a remote code execution with them. But it's always a theoretical possibility. And then there's an interesting uh, bug in the a Wi-Fi bug where Apple says that an attacker in Wi-Fi range may be able to force a client to use a less secure authentication mechanism, but they only yes, they don't use that's it. That's iOS only, yeah. as far as I can see. Uh, that was another bug that we called out. It's great that they fixed it, but sometimes, you know, at this this thing of Apple's that they won't tell you what security fixes they're working on until the patches are out, and then when they're out, they give you a list, and the list is frank and open and honest. But sometimes 
it is a little bit confusing. As you say, that's all it says. An attacker in Wi-Fi range may be able to force you to use a less secure authentication mechanism. Well, last time I looked at my iPhone, basically, when you're doing Wi-Fi, you've got two choices, WPA2 or Open Access Point, which some some coffee shops might still use. So if they can downgrade your authentication from WPA2, the only thing that I can think of below that is no encryption at all. So is that what they really mean here? I guess once you've patched it, maybe you don't need to worry so much about it. That would be less secure, no encryption at all. So what can people do here, patch early and often? Yes, don't patch early or patch often. Do them both, which means go and make sure you've got the updates. And just as a reminder, as we say every time, if you're on an iDevice, it's settings, general software update, and you want iOS or iPadOS 14.6 that you're looking for on a Mac, Apple menu, system preferences, software update. And if you've got Big Sur, uh, Mac OS 11, you want 11.4. If you've got one of the two previous versions, Mojave or Catalina, then there's a, a separate update. And if you've got those older two but still supported versions, you actually need to get a Safari update, which presumably includes the new WebKit stuff. You need to get that separately. It's not bundled in like it is with Big Sur. The the only uncertainty here is iOS 12, which did not get an update this time. Now, it, because it's the, the, the previous version of iOS, it was still officially supported because Apple said so last time we wrote about updates. They just didn't mention it this time. And that's another thing with Apple because they don't tell you about anything to do with security unless they have something specific to say about a particular version. It's hard to say whether actually what it means is they've ditched iOS 12 altogether. That's why it's not on the list. Or more likely, it's not on the list because it just doesn't have an update because it doesn't actually need one because the bugs are all in new parts of the code that doesn't exist in the earlier code code base. It would be nice if Apple were a little clearer about that. But if you have iOS 12, you should have 12.5.3, which is the one we spoke about last time. Okay, that's Apple patches dangerous security holes, one in active use. Update now on nakedsecurity.sophos.com. Alrighty, for our next story, the headline here is eight suspects busted in raid on, quote, home delivery scamming operation. Okay, so... Police in the UK have announced the arrest of eight suspected home delivery scammers in a bunch of early morning raids across the south of England. The law enforcement group behind these busts is the Dedicated Card and Payment Crime Unit. I like that name. Otherwise known as the (laughs) DCPCU or DCUPCU. When I first saw that, that report, I thought, hang on. That's a graphics card, (laughs) isn't it? But it it turns out it's not. It's just a a police department whose name does not exactly trip off the top. (laughs) No, exactly. (laughs) But it does does exactly what it says. They're going after the kind of guys who are after your bank account rather than after your Instagram password. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Although, as we shall see when we discuss it in a moment, those two things are often kind of 
sadly related yeah so um it's very unfortunate obviously we are uh, still in the midst of a pandemic a global pandemic um and as you can imagine more people than ever are still relying on home deliveries and sadly cyber criminals have been quick to join in on uh uh, taking advantage of the situation. So um, they are using a very simple but effective ploy of emailing or texting you to say that, quote, your parcel couldn't be delivered. Oh, well, that would definitely get my attention if I'm probably ordering stuff, which I definitely have been doing during this pandemic. Duck, what's the story here? Should people be concerned? Well, obviously, if you get a text message or an email that says there isn't a delivery, Yes, you should be concerned because either you're expecting a delivery <laughs> and there's a genuine <laughs> yeah. reason why you're not going to get it, or somebody's trying to scam mm-hmm. you. And of course, the idea is that, that they're just hoping that you'll click the link and then give away a little bit too much information. If you never click those links, if you go, okay, I know where Royal Mail's website is, I know where DHL's website is, I know where Canada Post is, go and find out the likely career company websites you'll need to visit now, write them down on a piece of paper if you like, that way they're not even in your bookmark so they can't get fiddled with by the crooks, and when you get an email saying, or a message saying, Canada Post could not deliver your blah, you know where to start using a URL that you put in yourself, not some fake URL the crooks sent you. If you never click home delivery links it's a little bit less convenient when it's a genuine home delivery problem but it's a small price to pay for not paying the huge price of getting scammed Mm -hmm. however in the same way that ransomware crooks have learned to reinvent themselves by saying look lots of people have got backups these days so they don't feel the necessity to pay so we'll steal the data instead and then we'll extort people on that basis so it seems that what the home delivery scammers have done is They've kind of turned this in, like the ransom grows, they've turned this into a two-pronged attack. It's almost like a pool hall hustle where you win the first frame, you win the second frame, and then when you go all in on the third frame, basically you don't sink a ball because you're playing with an expert. And it's almost in this case like the crooks, they want you to be half-tricked by their first attempt They want you to realize that something has gone wrong and cancel your card and feel, phew, I did the right thing. And that's when they come back with the real scam. That's when the pool hustler suddenly stops missing the pots. Mm. And of course, they know the whole story because they wrote the playbook and they come back to you. When they contact you, and it could be days or even weeks down the line, they say, Hello, Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so. I'm from your bank here. Thank you so much for reporting the scam. You know, they've got the Rachel Toback gift of the gab. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yes, I embedded that podcast in the article because it's a vital listen in it's this so case. Good. And basically, they convince you that they are the bank. They've set up a new account for you. And they have, but they're not the bank. And so that they can actually shut down your old account they need you to authorize to transfer the funds from your old account to this new account they've set up and for some unfortunate victims eventually you know the way they'll spin the story is look we can't do it on your say so we need you to authorize it like you would authorize any transaction guess what happens next go into your internet banking app Mm. guess what happens next next they drain your Mm. account these guys aren't after 
putting a fake $100 charge on your credit card. They're not after buying two iPhones for $999 each and getting them delivered to some overseas address to your distress for $2,000. They're basically after cleaning out your account. And of course, part of the cover story, because the idea is that your account needs to be closed down. So the whole premise of doing this is that you remove not just some of the money from your account, but terribly sadly, all mm. of it. And in some cases, particularly in the UK that I've read about, people have gone for 8,000, 12,000, oh, no. 20,000, oh. 30,000, basically their life savings, no. their account drained, put in another account. And now the crooks have a lot of work to do. They have to set up accounts using, presumably they use money mules, people they've, who are desperate that they paid money to to go and set up accounts by going into banks with fake ID. They've got an account waiting. And if they can, they'll have the account. It, it might be an account with your bank. So it looks kind of legit. You're moving it from one account to another account in the same bank. Obviously, it's not right, but it, they make it so that, it, if you know what I mean, it just doesn't sound wrong. Mm. And people have literally lost everything. <sighs> Hate it. Hate this story. All oh, of it. I know. So watch out, folks. Um, that's why home. That's the, that's the that's the new angle. That's the pool hall hustle version of the home delivery scam. It's bad enough that the crooks have your credit card number, yeah. and of course the magic CVV code, the three-digit code on the back. That means that any crook with that data can just go on a spending spree. But if you realise, if you lock out your card, if you think you've beaten the crooks, that might be part one of their gambit. In other words, it's almost like they have a fake scam that they test you with, yeah. that they put you under the pump for. And then when you come out thinking, God, I made it, then they come in saying, golly, aren't you clever? What a fantastic job. We're so pleased with you. Go to the Naked Security article, click through to it's series three, episode 12, the interview you did with Rachel Toback. Learn how to say no in the easiest, politest sort of way because if you yield in this case you literally could lose uh, yeah everything. uh again if you you probably heard me bark about this or repeat this but rachel toback has a great phrase be politely paranoid and uh i think it perfectly summarizes uh what we need to how we need to just be steadfast and always ask questions in terms of is this legit Oh, man, that's very depressing. So what to do? I know we talked a little bit about this already. Let's run yeah, through them again. Kimberly. Just to reiterate. Five simple mm -hmm. tips. And this will work for home delivery scams of this complexity, but also for regular phishing where you put your, your details into the wrong side or you just say something you shouldn't or where you respond where you could have kept quiet. Five tips. Number one, don't click links in text messages that come from courier companies, banks, or anyone like mm. that. It's convenient if they're genuine messages, but you don't need to because you can always find your own way there. And as I said earlier, the extra hassle of doing that when you don't need to is a small price to pay for not paying the huge price of clicking a fake link by mistake. Tip number two, don't be in a hurry to put in things like your credit card details onto a website. Oh, yes. Stop, think, connect 
a little bit of caution goes an awful long way. And remember that although the crooks don't always make things like spelling and grammar mistakes, often they do. And if they do, you can spot them. Even if English isn't your first language, you can spot them if you just take the time. Then you can make the crooks pay for that mistake. Tip number three, if somebody calls you up and says, hey, I'm your bank and what not, not, not. And then they say, you can prove that I'm from your bank by simply looking at the caller ID on your phone screen. They are lying to you because those numbers are not cryptographically secure. They can be spoofed. And if somebody calls you up and tries to convince you that that is an authentication mechanism, then you can assume they're a scammer. Tip number four, remember never to use a number that came in the message you were suspicious of. Same goes for a website or whatever. Find your own way to the number. It'll be written on the back of your bank card. It'll be written on your last printed bank statement. It's probably on the brochure you got when you opened the account. And lastly, most importantly, never, ever transfer funds out of your bank account because somebody else told you to do so. Your bank will never ask you to do this. Say no. Don't let yourself get talked into it. That's the most important advice of all in this. Aye. If you want to read this entire article, it's of course available on nakedscary.sophos.com. It's titled Eight Suspects Busted in Raid on Home Delivery Scamming Operation. Okay, we're going to talk about another scam. But first, let's take a break from the scams and stretch our legs. We're getting out of the car for a bit. Mm. We're going to go into the McDonald's inside Desert. this big rest stop. <laughs> and... Dad's going to get some gas. <laughs> Doug, if you if you said I'm going into the service station, Daddy's going to get some gas in the UK, you'd probably mean you're going to look for some cabbage sandwiches. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm going to get if some petrol. If you know what I mean. <laughs> petrol. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Time for petrol. Daddy's got gas. Yeah. It's not a good thing to say. <laughs> okay. Yeah, definitely not the on UK. the long road. Noted. <laughs> that you definitely want to run out of gas <laughs> when you're driving in a car. I hope I'm never driving Kingdom. on the UK streets. If I'm driving in the UK, something has gone terribly wrong. <laughs> uh, I, I, I wouldn't do well on the left side. Anywho, Coleco. At the start of the show, we talked about the company behind ColecoVision and Cabbage Patch Kids, two seemingly unrelated but very popular products. Well, that wouldn't have been the first time Coleco managed varying product strategies. The company began in 1932 as the Connecticut Leather Company. Co-le-co. Mm. Leather was the name of the game until the 60s when Coleco started manufacturing vinyl swimming pools and toys. Oh. The mid-70s brought about the company's first gaming system, the Telstar, which paved the way for handheld gaming systems, the ColecoVision, and ultimately the violence-inducing Cabbage Patch Kids. <laughs> the company filed for bankruptcy in 1988 after a series of product missteps and declining interest in said Cabbage Patch Kids. Oh. So Coleco. You can kind of see how you might make the, the move from leather to include vinyl. Mm -hmm. But to, to jump to video games is quite brave. And apparently they were, for a very brief period before it all went terribly wrong, they did snowmobiles, I believe. Wow. Yeah, they did a little bit of everything. They put out a personal That's... computer that flopped and it was... Turned the ColecoVision right. into a computer called the Atom. That's where I remember the name. It would never have occurred to me that they were a leather company. Yep. Anyway, it didn't work out too well for them, did nope. it? you got to pivot. 
This you got to pivot sometimes, but sometimes you can over pivot. Yeah, over pivot. Pivot yourself into Oof. bankruptcy. Yikes. So, speaking of pivoting yourselves into <laughs> bankruptcy. Oh, no. Great segue. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a WhatsApp scam. So imagine uh, you're using WhatsApp and a text pops up and it says, Hello, sorry, I sent you a six digit code by SMS by mistake. Can you pass it to me, please? It's urgent. Camera emoji, melancholy emoji, crying emoji. What could possibly go wrong, Paul? Well, just about everything, really. Mm. But that seems to be a big deal these days with instant messaging scams. Now, we talked in the previous segment about text message scams where you just get a message from a particular company. Of course, the deal with instant messaging and its interest to crooks is because people tend to use instant messaging so they don't get the same spam problem they have with email because of closed groups. So that's what the crooks are doing here. They've they've got into person X's account and they're using it as a way to make a related attack on person Y's account. And as you say, the trick is imagine the crook's got your username and your password, but you've turned on two-factor authentication and it's going to send a message to your phone. If a message pops up out of the blue unexpectedly, it's a good guess that somebody's trying to log in as you. So in this case, the crooks are not only trying to forestall that, they're sending you a message saying, oh, you know, like you said, there's some, when you contact them, there's some story about, oh, I wanted to do a password recovery myself. I, you know, I need, and I got to a part in the system where it, it needs to send me a recovery code. And I accidentally copied and pasted your phone number in by mistake because next to mine in the, in the contacts list, I'm so terribly sorry. If you can read me the number out, if you can send me the number when it pops up or it would have popped up 30 seconds ago, don't panic. I'll put it in. I'll get into my account and then I'll fix this so you won't get another message. Now, you shouldn't really fall for that, should you? Because those codes are codes that are sent to you are meant for you. But at the same time, A, the message comes from a buddy. B, those SMSs that you get for two-factor authentication they typically and deliberately keep it really simple. It just says something like, this is your Google login code, or this is your WordPress login code. So you've got no idea whether it's by design, whether it's really intended for you or not. You're just supposed to infer that it is. And C, I think what a lot of people think is, what's the chance that a crook who is halfway through hacking my account right now somebody's got my username and my password but needs the six-digit code what's the chance that that very same crook just yesterday managed to hack one of my buddy's whatsapp accounts what's the chance that these two things are related so between the a b and c that you know a it's my buddy b the message doesn't say who it was from it's just a number and c it can't be the crook because they wouldn't know that they wouldn't get my account at the same time as my buddy's account I think that's what tricks a lot of people into falling for this. And of course, the crooks get the six-digit code, they whack it in, they log in as you, and then you can be sure you won't get any of those pop-up messages again because that gets the crooks in deep enough that they can go and change your settings so they're in full control of your account, typically including having control over your two-factor authentication. So they're in and you're locked out. So the bottom line is, if anybody ever asks you for an authentication or security code that has come up on your device, do not give it to them. Yeah, and when in doubt, say, I'll give it to you for 20 bucks. It's that important to you. <laughs> that, that's actually an interesting test. Yeah. Because the uh, your buddy might say, 
I hate you, but I'll do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think, too, it plays on people generally want to be helpful. So to get this text, you're kind of sure. like, okay, I don't know who this is, but but yeah, I got the code. I mean, but to be politely paranoid, you you could say, you know, I'm no security expert, but you could just request another code and have it sent to the correct number. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that would be, yeah. But there's people yeah, all over Twitter. Right. I looked this up on Twitter. People all over Twitter saying, you know, my my four, three of my family members lost their access, and four of my family, four of my friends lost their access. So they're just getting these random codes. And well, that is not written up on nakedsecurity.sophos.com, but the advice is don't do it. Yeah, I, I would have loved to have written it up but we I, I wasn't able to get my own hands on a copy of the message but we wanted to remind people about it because certainly in the UK this has been a huge deal lately there have been some sort of national warnings about it but it's not just the UK where this is happening it's an easy trick and like you say people do want to be helpful it's someone you know or know a bit and if you say no and they go oh come on dude like what's wrong with you I'm going to be locked out of my Facebook forever or whatever it is you just have to dig your heels in. If the code comes to you, it's yours. And like the pin on your bank card, you just have to think that no matter who asks, you are never going to tell them. Not the cops, not the bank, not anybody. You're just going to keep it to yourself. Again, we don't have an article for that. So check out the Naked Security Live video, uh, which you can catch on nakedsecurity.sofos.com. And folks, we're at the end of our episode. And you know what that means. It is the yeah. Oh, yeah. no of the week. So this week, Kimmer writes. Kim, Kimmer, Kimmist. Kimmer writes, <laughs> I am a very emotional and expressive person. And most of the time, I find it easy to connect with customers during support tickets. It's a great weapon to diffuse angry slash anxious customers. We handle chat support where you are talking in real time with a customer instead of having them waiting for a couple of hours to get an answer from a quote, normal ticket. The lady that I got connected with had issues uploading files to our storage service. She mentioned that she was not so technical, so I tried to keep a high level conversation as much as possible. After the first troubleshooting steps didn't work, I offered a video call and we jumped in. She was very polite and had this nice puppy picture as a profile photo, a very charming woman. I asked her to share her screen with me, and it turns out that she gave the permissions to the wrong account. We went through the documentation together. I read the steps using that non-technical language. She performed them, and I double-checked the actions with our internal tools. We had to repeat some steps because she forgot to click on save, but she was very cooperative and very willing to learn. After finishing the process, she tried to upload a file, and it worked. She said, Thank you. I read these things a ton of times and I felt really stupid because I couldn't upload. I interrupted her. Never say that. You are not stupid. Don't let anyone call you that. You did a great job today and it was nice working with you. I could hear her voice breaking, trying to speak. She took that breath when someone is like holding back their tears and all she could say was, thanks. I gave her a minute before asking if any additional assistance was required, but got no answer while I heard her breathing, trying to recover. After a few moments, she returned to her normal, charming voice, said she was fine, and thanked me again. We said goodbye, and the call ended. The end. Aw, I always remember when I fixed people's computers, watching the tears just well up in their (laughs) eyes. Just so touched by... (laughs) 
a technician's touched by a technician uh yeah. it's a spinoff of touched by an angel nope um... <laughs> nope <laughs> you do not want that when i read that story i sort of had tears welling up in my eyes thinking yeah that's how tech support should be mm. but i am worried that i when i heard it maybe i've been become a wash in cynicism because now you know what i find myself thinking i'm thinking i wonder if either or both of the people in that call from the way they behaved were actually a social engineering spammer oh yeah (laughs) you know what i mean because unfortunately that is how social engineers will behave they will be sadly that support person you always wanted to get through to now those people do exist in real life but the scammers they just know like the romance scammers they just learn how to be the boyfriend slash girlfriend that you always wanted it's when the difficult question comes at the end oh can i just get your password so that i can check blah 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 can i just get your pin can i can you just send me this number could you do me one last favor same with romance scams right (laughs) be as friendly as you like when the talk turns to money yeah exactly uh, here's what I'm going to say. Sad, but true. I've worked in customer service. I actually, uh, funny enough, I worked at a bank. And I worked at a bank in a very, um, what's the word, like low-income neighborhood. And people often came in very angry or scared or anxious. And uh, one of my tactics, just like this person, uh, just like Kimmer, was to diffuse it with kindness and compassion. I mean, if they come at me all crazy... I. You know, it's very easy to disarm someone. Kill them with kindness. Yeah, if they keep coming at you with anger and, or you know, uh, God for God forbid, violence or anything like that, then yes, we need to change tactics very quickly. But I think yeah. always try to diffuse, diffuse, diffuse um, in the beginning. So I loved hearing this story because I can imagine, um, you know, a lot of tech people also being abused over the phone from customers and just hearing the worst of it from people and it's nice to know that uh whoever this person is they are able to compartmentalize and realize that each customer they get on the phone is different and has a different set of circumstances and yeah you know and to be a little bit adaptable yeah. right if 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 you say to the person if you're just follow that's a problem with these support lines where people just follow a mm-hmm. script you want someone hitting you over the head with a baseball bat while you're reaching for a cabbage patch kid. That's what you want. <laughs> that, That's how you know someone's being real. That that is as real as it gets. Doug, you need yeah, to get you out do more. Need to. No, it's dangerous out there. I'm not going well, out there. Oh no, no, maybe you need to <laughs> stay oh, in more. True, true, true. Um, folks, if you've enjoyed this episode or if you enjoyed this oh no, you can leave us a five star review in Apple Podcast. That will literally only take you thirty seconds, I promise you. But if you have an Ono for me, you can reach out to us. You can leave an anonymous comment on nakedscary.sophos.com. You can DM us on all the social platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Or you can uh, email us, tips at sophos.com. Or you can reach out to me on Reddit. My username is oh, no, it's Kim. O-H-N-O, it's Kim. And of course, until next time. Anyone ask questions about 
doll-based riots, I'm your guy.